And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, with, with Lamb, Lion, Ministry. We're excited here today as we're going to be talking about a very important subject matter, and that is Bible Prophecy Game of Thrones. So stay tuned for uh, today's program. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you again to study your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for making it available to us. Uh, well, what a time period we live in when we have access to so many of your uh, teachings, especially, Lord, uh, your word is everywhere. And we just pray, Lord, you'll help us teach it and be with those who have tuned in. May they grow in their relationship with you as well. Thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Again, we thank you for being part of our program. The truth will set you free. Again, we're excited as we're going to be talking about Bible prophecy, Game of Thrones. So stay tuned. Those of you following us on social media, hey, be sure to share this program with your friends and family. And of course, encourage them to follow along and study God's word with us. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host, Nathan Jones, to the program. Nathan, it's great to have you on. Great to be on, brother, as always. So how are you doing, man? Doing fantastic. I think I've lost my five pounds that I gained from Thanksgiving, but, you know, doing great. Uh, I get best I start working on mine. <laughs> Nathan, it is a wonderful time of the year, but uh, we're so excited because God is doing a lot of wonderful things. And for someone who's new to uh, our, our program or the ministry, can you share with them what we do, Nathan, and the resources that are available to them? Well, certainly, if you're not familiar with this podcast, The Truth Will Set You Free, it's the podcast of Lamb and Lion Ministries. Uh, Vic and I are evangelists with Lamb and Lion Ministries, and uh, this is a ministry is a Bible prophecy teaching ministry. Our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And we do that in quite a number of ways, like through this podcast, uh, but also our television show, Christ in Prophecy, which is on the major Christian networks and uh, through our website at ChristinProphecy.org. Uh, check us out. We've got tons of articles. Uh, videos, social media, uh, magazines like the Lamplighter magazine, uh, newsletter you can sign up for, uh, so many Bible teachings by our founder, Dr. David Reagan, myself, Vic, uh, Colonel Tim Moore, and others to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So check us out. Uh, you can even download our app. It's the Lamb Lion app. It's on all the major platforms. Uh, but if you want to check our website out, it's ChristinProphecy.org. Oh, thank you so much, Nathan Jones. And Nathan, another wonderful resource. Uh, you and I wrote a book together, and it's been doing fantastic. And now people can actually get that on Apple as well, right? Apple Books? Yeah, well, yes. Uh, the Mighty Angels of Revelation. It's been out a year now. It's been a fantastic seller. Uh, it takes you through the book of Revelation verse by verse from the 72 angels or groups of angels point of view. So you'll read the book. You'll learn all about Revelation. At the same time, you learn all about the study of angelology, which is a word for angel studies. And uh, you can find that on Kindle, Nook, and now, as of this week, Apple Books, and of course, in print. Mm, fantastic. Thank you so much, Nathan. Yeah, so for those of you that are part of the program, a lot of wonderful resources to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord and your knowledge of biblical uh, prophecy. So we're excited to uh, uh, share that with you. Uh, Nathan, also, as we continue, wow, we've had a very interesting month thus far with this whole political upheaval right now, and it's still not over, right? Well, I mean, the election is, is, seems over and done. The counts are coming in. There's a few states left. Obviously, we're waiting for Georgia to, to give its counts. Arizona, uh, we now know that uh, Biden won by about 4,200 votes. There's lots of accusations of corruption, lots of proofs of corruption. But 
the fact that Donald Trump has uh, already hinted at a 2024 run means that he probably believes that the court cases will drag on past the time of transfer. So it looks like, in all accounts, we're going to have a President Biden soon. So at that point, at least, the little um, surety will be coming. Now, if you're an Israeli, as of today, the Israeli government dissolved yet again, and Netanyahu is going to be going into yet another election cycle. So that when I look at Israel's uh, with what dozens of parties and government that can dissolve when the parties can't work together and uh, the constant elections, it, it makes our system seem so much better, doesn't it? Oh, Nathan, absolutely. No, without a doubt, Nathan, it's just a great political power struggle uh, in our world today. And we just see this upheaval um, globally. Uh, individuals fighting to be, if you would, in the throne of power. So it really is uh, an opportunity for us to pray and for our eyes to be fixed uh, on the Lord. We do know, Nathan, that according to Scripture, that that there is a spiritual battle behind this uh, uh, Satan and his uh, and his minions, if you will, uh, trying to take control of every aspect of society. Uh, but yet we find that uh, as Christians, we can make a difference and uh, turning to God's word uh, to continue to guide us. And, uh, you know, Nathan, it's amazing to me in Matthew chapter four, uh, verses seven through 11, the Bible tells us clearly uh, what we're up against in terms of this power struggle. Uh, would you be able, Nathan, to take us there to um, Matthew chapter four and read for us verses seven through 11 as we uh, look at our topic for today, Bible prophecy, Game of Thrones? Absolutely. Yes, this is uh, the story about the temptation of Jesus. It begins in verse 7. Uh, Jesus said to him, Satan, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, Jesus, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Mm. You know, Nathan, this is an amazing passage because here we, we, we have this struggle uh, over power and who's ruling. And, and here Jesus didn't really argue with Satan. He really recognized that when it comes to this fallen world, uh, I means Satan is the prince right now. These government individuals need to recognize that uh, they're just puppets and pawns, oftentimes being used by the enemy. Uh, and here uh, we come to recognize in this, in this Game of Thrones, if you will, that for the moment, right, Nathan, God has given Satan a long leash. He seems to appear to be in control, but then we'll notice who's really in control, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And you got, got to wonder, how did Satan get in control? Well, originally the earth was given to Adam and Eve. A man was supposed to take care of it and tend it. But they gave up the title to the earth for a bite of an apple, a forbidden fruit. And they disobeyed God, in other words. And then because of the disobedience between God and man, uh, excuse me, man towards God, there became a division between God and man. And so now uh, Satan can legitimately offer all the kingdoms of the world to Jesus because he is now the, the title deed owner of the earth. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he beat death and the title deed went to him. Now he hasn't claimed it yet. We read later in Revelation chapters four and five how Jesus will take the title deed of the earth. And during the tribulation, at the end, he will return and defeat Satan and set up his kingdom. But for now, Satan is the legitimate ruler of this world. Now, that doesn't mean that God's not sovereign, that God's not operating, or that God doesn't limit Satan. We know from the book of Job how very much God limits 
Satan, but God, Satan does have control of this earth. So when we look at what's going on in the world, politics and wars and intrigue, there's a satanic, uh, we'll call it, satanic hierarchy working behind it. We read in Ephesians about how principalities, powers, and the spirits of this world are, are working behind the scenes. So I, I don't know about you, Vic, but watching this last election, especially when you saw what was in play here, we talked about America at a crossroads where America could continue on with holding true to its Judeo-Christian values with capitalism as its engine, or we could abandon our Judeo-Christian values, embrace secular humanism, and move towards socialism as our economic engine. And it's fascinating to see that how much of a post-Christian nation we really are, because in the end, it was pretty much 50-50, half the country voting for the move away from God and having wanting to stay with God. And that, that to me, man, is, is so tragic to think that as a nation, we have chosen to abandon God. I mean, when you look at the Democratic platform, I've looked through 92 pages of the Democratic platform. There's only one mention of God, and it's used as an adjective, God-given abilities. There is no mention of God in the Democratic platform as God being sovereign. You only hear lip service. And so it's really sad to see that our country has moved away and we're moving towards the kingdom of Satan, where Satan will eventually move the entire world under his chosen man, whom the Bible calls the Antichrist. Mm, excellent point. And Nathan, that I, I so agree with you. And this is why we need wisdom uh, as Christians today. It baffles my mind sometimes what Christians vote for, the things that they uh, that they are going after. Uh, and we oftentimes say, well, where's the Bible in this? Where's Jesus in this? Where, where are we going here? And you're absolutely right. It seems that the enemy right now is really blinding the eyes of the nation and, and many individuals. And, and clearly, we do know that Satan does have a foothold uh, uh, on this earth. He definitely has different thrones, if you will, where he has uh, enthroned his minions. And we see that in the in the political arena it is one of the greatest places where we see this happen. And, you know, Nathan, it sort of reminds me of Revelation chapter three, verses 12 through 13, if we can go there very quickly, because uh, as we look at the churches, uh, the message to the churches and the reality of what we can expect in the end times, it, even back then it was recognized that Satan does have a foothold and throne set up in certain places, but yet we know that the victory is really going to be ours. Would you be able to take us there, Nathan, to Revelation 3 and read for us verses 12 to 13? Oh, yes, that's a good passage. So here Jesus is addressing seven churches, or legitimate, real churches, and what was uh, Asia Minor, today Turkey. They're also representative of church ages. And this particular passage is going to reveal to us that Satan does have capitals. He does reside. He might be a spirit of the air, but there are places, cities, where he sets up his throne. So verse 12 reads, He overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Um, I think we need to go back here. Yeah, Nathan, we can actually start in uh, chapter 2, verses 12 uh, through 13 and move our way down there in, in Pergamos. All right. Yeah, because that, that, I'm sorry, I, Passage was a little. Uh, 
let's see here. Yes, thank you. So, uh, to the angel of the church of Pergamos, uh, verse 12 of chapter 2, those things says he who has a sharp-edged sword, I know your works, and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. So, this is one of, uh, well, I think we'll see two references here in the seven churches, as Satan has set up his kingdom or his throne in a particular city. And Nathan, that, that's what I, I think is amazing, because right now I think people don't understand that, it, in especially in the political arena in certain cities, uh, Satan has set up the throne. He, he really has a, a rulership and, and authority and influence. I mean, we saw that even with these political uh, debates of Philadelphia and these other places that were the strongholds of the of voting that turned things around. And again, people need to recognize it. It's a spiritual battle. Satan uh, does have uh, have authority over certain areas. He it, the prince of the power of the air. And although we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, but we do we do need to recognize uh, that in politics there is a lot of spiritual dynamic behind it. Yeah, and you can see a, a kind of a characteristic of a Satan-held city. Uh, for one, if you keep reading about Pergamos there, a, a real city in the country of Asia Minor, Minor now Turkey, uh, verse 14, but I have a few things against you um, because you have those there who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, in other words, a, a false teaching. You eat things sacrificed to idols and commit sexual immorality. And it says, you also have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. The Nicolaitans would teach uh, basically eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you will die. It was a, a very sensual type belief system. So in other words, the people had given themselves over to uh, materialism, humanism, and hedonism. Now, boy, doesn't that sound familiar? It <laughs> sounds just like today. Now, I was uh, talking uh, through a, another friend of mine about Eric Barger. He's an apologist who lives up in the Seattle area. We've had him on our TV show, Christ and Prophecy, many times. And this other gentleman was interviewing him and asking him uh, why all these uh, Antifa uprivals in Seattle and Portland and Minneapolis. And Eric Barger was in the New Age before he got saved. He said, I'll tell you, these cities are steeped in the New Age and the occult. There mm. is a presence of churches and Jesus Christ in these cities. What you were seeing was an open, outright anarchist rebellion against society, and that's the definition of this Antichrist. The Antichrist is the man of lawlessness. He will rise on a tide of lawlessness and rebellion against the current system. And so when Eric said that, it just like, ah, that makes sense. And people don't talk about the riots in Minneapolis much that they are primarily in that area was because it was such a strongly Islamic-held area. So it was an Islamic uprising. And again, that Islam being a very um, anti-God religion, even though they say they worship God, the God uh, Allah of the Quran, when you read about his characteristics, is satanic. He's Satan. And so you've got these different cities who are very indwelt by, not maybe not Satan himself, but certainly his demonic. And they set shop up there, and you can see it more in the behavior of the people who the demons work through. 
Mm, excellent point, Nathan. Again, we're, you're tuned in to The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition, Vic Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministries. Again, we're talking about uh, Bible Prophecy Game of Thrones. We see a number of you following us live on social media. We thank you for that. Continue to keep us in prayer. And of course, feel free to post your questions or your comments for us on social media. We'll be sure uh, to be able to get back to you uh, with those. But Nathan, I think a wonderful message there as we look at the message to the churches. If you can read for us verse 6, 16 uh, uh, there in um, in uh, Revelation uh, chapter 2, I think that's also a message uh, to the church there. I think this is our responsibility, and those of us that maybe are straying a little bit, we should take heed to verse 16. Right. We just read about overcomers. In other words, they overcome the satanic system, the, the call to live a worldly and anti-God life. And so if the people found that they've fallen in that state, verse 16 says, repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. In other words, uh, uh, Jesus coming. And when he comes, he will have the sword of his mouth. And we read that later in Revelation. He'll return in judgment and he will just speak. And then God's enemies will just fall apart. When God says he holds everything in his hands, everything exists because of him. That's very true. When Jesus returns and just speaks and his enemies fall apart, it shows that, that God holds all things together. So he's calling us to repent. And that's a wonderful thing, uh, uh, many wonderful things about God is God warns ahead of time before he brings judgment. And through these churches and these messages, he's warning the world to repent, to become overcomers and not fall into the satanic system, secular humanism and uh, outright rebellion, but to repent of your sins and confess them and turn to Jesus Christ in faith and believe in him and so be saved, and therefore be labeled, as the Bible says, an overcomer. Mm, I love that. And Nathan, I know you and I, before we close the program, we will give an opportunity for people to come to turn to Christ. But I think this is also a call uh, for America, a call for Christianity. We have a responsibility and we need to, um, again, make biblical decisions. Uh, we should we should always put God first. And when we recognize that as a nation that we're not or as individuals, we simply just need to repent. God loves us. He has a wonderful plan for us. But he's also a, a justice God and he will punish uh, the sins of this world. And Nathan, you know, our future, your future and my future is really outlined for us. Uh, Revelation chapter one, verses four through six. Satan, yes, he has rulership of this world. He has set up his throne in certain places. But the God pro God promises that for the believer, the Christians, he also tells us clearly what our positions will be. And Revelation one verses Nathan, if you can take us there, it's just a wonderful passage. Right. Because we do know that Satan sits on the throne over this world, wherever his capital happens to be. But uh, this is the true throne. And we read John to the seven churches, which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits, in other words, the Holy Spirit, who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I mean, Nathan, this is a fantastic passage, right? I mean, in other words, this is our destiny. You and I, we're destined to rule and reign uh, with the Lord. It reminds me, Nathan, do you remember the uh, Lord of the Rings when they were sitting on the different thrones there? Lucy and Peter, King Peter. Uh, it's like a, a wonderful picture there. 
Yeah, that was that was the Chronicles of Narnia, right? That was the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Exactly. Yeah, that that was a wonderful scene. And then C.S. Lewis, being a Christian, was trying to teach biblical um, story through his own story. But yeah, we read about the the one who sits on the, the throne. We're talking about the throne of God, Jesus Christ, the Son, sitting on the throne over all the universe. So Satan might right now, for a time, have one planet, Earth. But Jesus Christ rules over the entire universe. And someday, he's promised he will come and defeat Satan and take the earth back. And we who are his children will get to rule and reign with him over a restored, rejuvenated earth that no longer has the curse. So, brother, when it looks like we have lost the battle, uh, we got to remember we have not lost the war. Oh, I love that, Nathan. That is so true. And it seems like we've, uh, we're living in bleak moments right now with this pandemic and COVID and shutdowns again. Uh, but at the end, we, we really re realize that, you know, our destiny, our future is so much better. The things that the Lord has in store for us, no eye has seen or ear has heard. So, Nathan, you and I, we, we get so excited. People are probably wonder why are these guys always so excited when they talk? <laughs> well, because we know what our future holds, right? <laughs> yes, that and you've got that Caribbean characteristic of always being chipper and upbeat and sunny. <laughs> oh, man, Nathan, praise the Lord. Well, Nathan, I mean, when we go to Revelation chapter 4, if you can take us there, verses 1 through 6, I mean, it's just packed with the throne of God, the throne room of God, our position in Christ, what awaits us in the future. And it's just really exciting when we take our eyes off this world and we put it on our future and what the Bible has to say, it really gives us something uh, to to brighten our future and our day uh, uh, in comparison to what how bleak things might seem at the moment. Would you be able to take us there, Nathan, take us to heaven in a sense, to Revelation 4 verses 1 through 6? <laughs> Yeah, this is fantastic. Here we got John, uh, the Apostle John, trying to explain what the throne of God looks like. Uh, previously, both Ezekiel and Isaiah saw it as well and explained it pretty similarly. Uh, but here is trying for a limited human to explain the unexplainable. And here he goes. He says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one, God, sat on the throne. And he sat there, was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne. It appeared like an emerald. And around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on those thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne, the big one, proceeded lightnings, thundering, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God and the Holy Spirit. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. Nathan, that is fantastic. You and I know, Nathan, that wonderful representation of those 24 elders. The church is there. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to have a position. We're going to be sitting in thrones. I mean, that to me is so exciting. Yeah, and it, it's not even the throne that's emanating all these colors. Uh, John's using different stones to, if you shine a light through a, through a crystal, you know, you get a particular color. And so what we got is this crystal throne looking thing. But the light is emanated from God himself. The Bible says that God, the Father, is spirit. He alone is spirit. And he emanates. He's like a giant nuclear reactor. And he's emanating 
all this power and light and strength and the voices that come from it or his voice sounds like lightning and mixed with waterfalls and thundering and it's just it's impressive and, and then he's got 24 smaller thrones that they're around it and uh, we can and we wrote about this in our book the mighty angels of revelation that their prayer would indicate that they are the church in other words this is a rotational sitting of the elders which is a term for the church on the throne so what we're talking about here is when god says that we will rule and reign with him we will take turns sitting on one of those 24 thrones and ruling the universe under god I, that just is mind-blowing and that to think that we are such evil rebellious creatures but we are redeemed by jesus blood cleansed and purified and made whole and then the lord esteems us because of his own work to sit on thrones and allows us to rule and reign with him i mean speaking about not being worthy but through christ we are worthy and so this is a fantastic vision not of the the current state but what the future will be throughout eternity and so it should get us excited and i'm looking forward to my time on those one of those thrones Nathan, I love this. You know, the, the TV series, The Game of Thrones, got nothing on us. In other words, we know where we're going to be sitting. We know our position. We know, uh, again, uh, what our future holds. And it's just so exciting, Nathan, when, when we consider what the Bible has to say and just the beauty of heaven, what we're going to experience. Right. I, you know, I, I could only watch one episode of Game of Thrones. It was so uh, evil. I, I just, I just couldn't watch the rest series. And sad that as a society it was so popular, but it was nothing more than people murdering and backstabbing and cheating right. their way to a throne. Uh, those thrones are passing away. That's that's how Satan's system works. God's system works, where there is one true God, and He allows others that are faithful to Him to serve. And someday we will serve up not only in the millennial kingdom but in the eternal state. And the Lord will give us the authority over cities and towns. Uh, we'll be lawyer, uh, excuse me, uh, mayors and governors, uh, teachers, administrators. Uh, we will have all sorts of positions and power over the universe that the Lord will grant us. And that's really what the whole purpose was. God wanted to create people to be fellowship with him. And he shares what just blows my mind. He yeah. shares his authority with us who are so unworthy. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, you're just blowing my mind here covering this topic. Nathan, and it's fantastic. And, and this is why, you know, like I said, I'm not also endorsing the Game of Thrones. I don't really, I don't, I didn't really watch them. I think I saw one episode too much like you were saying, and I just like, nah, this is not for me. But that's why uh, we find that in heaven, we can really focus on true thrones. In other words, how uh, things operate and the beauty of it and just what, what really what we can expect for our future. Not only that, Nathan, but we're going to be living in a new heaven, in a new earth where, where Jesus himself is going to rule and reign from the throne. Revelation chapter 11, verse 12. Can you take us there briefly, Nathan? Uh, because we also know there's going to be a, a, a white throne judgment that is coming. And we want people to see both sides of the coin here for those that don't have a relationship with him. Would you be able to take us there, Revelation 20, verses 1 through 11? 1 through 11? Well, I don't know. If I'm sorry. Uh, um, uh, uh, 11 through 12, my apologies. Oh, that's okay. I just, I know we're running short on time. Yeah, 11 through 12. I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, 
by the things which were written in the books. Mm. And Nathan, this is, uh, we know believers are not going to be uh, at this uh, uh, present time there on that judgment. That's going to be, of course, for the unbelievers. But that's why we encourage, right, uh, Nathan, people to have a relationship with Jesus. We don't want anyone to be found on the wrong side, if you will. Absolutely. This is what's, what's the final judgment. This is not necessarily God's throne, per se, but this is his judgment seat. And he's going to resurrect all those who were in rebellion against him and judge them for their works. But they're missing the one work that counts, the acceptance of Jesus' work on the cross. His saving work is the only work that matters, and we need to accept it in faith. Otherwise, we stand guilty. You could be as good as Mother Teresa, but if Jesus Christ, you haven't accepted his free gift of salvation, then you're going to stand before God. You're going to be judged. And you're going to be sent to final judgment where Satan is in the great uh, right throne judgment to the lake of fire. And that's the destiny of anybody who hasn't accepted Jesus' lifeline of salvation. So it, this verse is extremely important for you to know, folks, that, that Jesus loves you. He came down as a man and died on the cross horribly for your sins. He beat death by resurrecting from the dead. And he now sits on the throne and calls us to accept him as the Son of God and our Savior. If you haven't done that yet, then pray from your heart something like, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. And he will forgive you of your sins. The guilt will be gone. You'll inherit a new life. And one day you will sit on a throne and serve God forever and ever. Mm, hallelujah. Great news. Hey, listen, if you trusted in Christ, we would love to hear from you. Those of you following on social media, you can post there uh, that you received the Lord or give us a call at 305-992-9537. We'd love to give you a Bible and a Bible study that you can continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord and encourage you to find a wonderful church that teaches the word of God and get baptized. And of course, with that, we will tell you that we want to rejoice ahead of time for the wonderful things that God is doing. Uh, one last passage, Nathan, that I thought we can leave our wonderful listeners with. Revelation 21, 6, as the Lord is going to, again, create a new heaven and new earth. Uh, and uh, he sat in, in verse 5 of Revelation 21, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right, for these words are true and faithful. Nathan, God is on the throne and someday he's going to make all things new. So we don't have to worry about all this craziness right now, right? <laughs> right. Satan's kingdom is coming to an end. Jesus Christ's throne will last forever. So you got to ask yourself, what side are you on? Mm, excellent point. And of course, again, we ran out of time for this segment of the program, but we want to encourage you to trust in Jesus and keep your eyes on him. He's coming back very, very soon. Nathan Jones, thank you so much for being part of the program. It's so awesome to always have you on. It's always good to be on, brother. Y'all take care. Thank you. And again, Big Batista, Nathan Jones saying goodbye. May the Lord bless you and keep him. May his face shine upon you. Thank you for being part of our program today.